Welcome to the eGovernance Academy podcast to discover the future of governance. eGovernance Academy has assisted digital transformation globally in more than 130 countries. Our experts will share their insights and worldwide examples on how digital technology could benefit every society. Tune in for the Digital Government Podcast every Wednesday. Welcome to eGovernance Academy podcast. In our weekly podcast, today we host... Christina Reinsalo, who is Program Director for eDemocracy in eGovernance Academy. And we will discuss about participatory budgeting. My name is Hannes Astok. I'm a Deputy Director in eGovernance Academy. So, Christina, participatory budgeting, what it mean? Because budgeting, usually, it's, it's a business for the government and parliament, and citizens can participate where usually once every four years when they elect a new parliament, and, and later we must stay home. What is traditional understanding about citizens' participation in the budgeting? And those very smart guys in the government and parliament, they make decisions for us. So what has changed? What is participatory budgeting? Hello, nice to be here. Participatory budgeting is a, is a process uh, where citizens are, are really given... Uh, opportunity to to say the word in composing uh, mostly investment budget of the cities. I mean, yes, say by the end, they decide over one fraction of this budget, but still in most um, uh, projects, most showcases uh, used in the world, they still directly decide on what will be the next investment budget investment project in the city for the upcoming year. Is it like when do we decide that we need to build the bridge, we need to build the highway, we need to build a new schoolhouse, or is it usually like a small-scale project? There are so many different models uh, and scenarios of doing this process in the world. So there are, as far as I know, there are more than 7,000 different participatory budgeting going on in, in different cities and municipalities in the world. Uh, and, and usually most, uh, most of the cases say, say really sees that this is, and as the money comes from investment by money, capital funds, then it is really like clear, concrete, tangible object, new object, uh, investment in city public space. And mostly this is a main, one of the main rules in most of the cities really that this object to be built when citizens vote, that say, say want this to be built by municipality, this will be accessible for 24 hours to everybody. This will be in public space. So no private uh, private interests are involved. So this should not be, yeah. Okay, we, we come back later a little bit to the details of this process, but tell me a little bit about history. Who invented it? When it started? It started already in 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 nineties, actually in Brazil, in 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 city of uh, Porto, Porto Alegre, city of Brazil, and of course when it, it it started, and it started immediately, basically to spread all over the world. In Brazil, one of the main aims of implementing this was really to to give more 
uh, or to distribute uh, investments more equally in different among different areas of the cities. I mean, if you can imagine, like big, really big, because then other big cities of Brazil followed the 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 bus, and you can imagine that there are huge cities of Brazil, and really the city uh, city administration was was not sure or wanted really to to understand which are the lagging investments, objects, uh, different areas of the city. So to push for development of uh, also like maybe a little bit outdated city areas. Yes, and and coming from authoritarian regimes and and non-democratic regimes really say, um, I I think that there was the honest wish also of administrators really to give more opportunities to citizens to, 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 to be participating really in making those decisions. So what is, what is the usually like a fraction of a budget, a percentage of a budget what is given to this participatory budgeting um, process? Is it like, I don't know, 10%, 20% or, or usually just 1% of a budget what is, what is provided for the decision? Because cities have long-run development plans Usually, like ninety percent of a budget is anyway going to uh, like a fixed cost, whatever. It's like schooling, healthcare, road administration, environmental issues. So, so what is what is how, how big is this percentage, or or maybe in some cases even you can say as how many euros or dollars one or another city is providing for the participatory budgeting annually. Yeah, well, I would say uh, that uh, South American cities were, when we started, they were really brave. They were going until 10% of, of budget. To of be, investment budget. To be, uh, actually, they were uh, arriving to 10% of general budget. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, but uh, I'm not sure. How, I mean, everybody has. I mean, you of course they started. I mean, being more modest, and but once seeing that this this process working, I mean, they they went more more brave. But mostly, at least in Europe, it's it's uh, it is like between one to up to ten percent of investment budget. So it's usually like, uh, let's say, half million, one million euro or dollar. Yeah, city or something like this. Yeah, well, for instance, in 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 uh, Paris, it is, if I'm not mistaken, like around eight million euros no, it's a each small year. City, a small each city year, also, yeah. each year. Well, we started in Estonia really when we introduced this uh, this process, this this initiative to Estonian municipalities, and Tartu was 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 pioneer city, piloting and experimenting with with it. Two thousand thirteen, of course, say 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 were not so so risk ready yet. So they started with one percent of investment budget, which at this year was was one hundred. Yeah, it was 50,000, yes, 50,000. But now we have increased it, I guess. Yeah, not so much as as I I was hoping for, but yes, 200,000, because actually there are studies made which prove, which which there is clear evidence that actually uh, the motivation of citizens, of course, is getting getting higher uh, when the money increases. So basically you can do more, more projects or more uh, visible and, uh, and tangible projects. But tell me in brief, what is the process? 
what, what it, this means, our listeners are eager to implement it in their cities, so we want to know what are step one, two, three, four to get there. Yeah, very, very, very basic uh, model or main model is, and there are many variations, but but first thing is, is crowdsourcing ideas from citizens, proposals, what to do with this amount of money, be it like 1% or, or more from, from investment budget. Then once ideas are collected and there are always clear rules involved, like in Tartu, as I said also, that it, it should be like like clear investment object uh, accessible to everybody and all that, and no legal issues. It the land where this object will be built should be owned by city. No, no other way. Then next step is expert phase, where experts are uh, assessing. Uh, and commenting on all those, those ideas and consolidating if needed. Because usually, and it is in the beginning, it was more than, you know, by the end you are getting so many individual ideas from individual citizens and many times citizens think on the same way because, yeah, it's clear problem, for instance, in Tartu, in the beginning it was obvious that citizens wanted to find any new solutions how to what to do with river river was problem with them <laughs> so and the experts are just um, not qualifying uh, which is or not assessing which is bad or good idea only if it is doable for that amount of money and if it follows all the rules and criteria but the list gets shorter because sometimes as i said ideas are consolidated and then comes what I think is one of the most important stages, and this is actually not in uh, not implemented everywhere, but this deliberation phase, when authors of those ideas and experts and specialists from city government are getting together face-to-face and discussing through, walking through all those ideas, and a lot of uh, Additional uh, information is given to authors. These are public events broadcasted online so everybody can follow. And city opens up its future plans, which I think is very important because this is, this is all about informing citizens also for other processes, for other decision-making processes. And then authors of those, and, and by the end of those deliberation phases, in case of Tartu, uh, so experts and authors select the final list to be voted because one thing is clear: you can't, you can't um, go, you you can't bring to the final voting too long list. We did this in Tartu. There were like eighty something ideas. Average uh, citizens are lazy enough not to read all those 80. They probably make the selections out of 10 first. So we, we make sure that this final list is not too long. It's kind of it's, short list. It's, yeah, but it's already discussed, supported already by, 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 commun- by experts and with, with good explanations, which is also very crucial that all this process should be published published online so everybody can follow arguments and all ideas should be commented and 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 you know like you you can you can see argumentation and then authors of finalists still have opportunities to fight for their ideas to present them publicly cities will do publicity and promote ideas and then public voting which is which is also i mean we understood that this is also one of the 
one of the crucial elements because it's by the end, it's uh, the element of direct democracy. But in many cities, it is still the process is more consultation. It's not voted directly. But in our case, and in many cases, uh, it is still, I mean, voting in Estonian case using e-voting, uh, but also keeping uh, possible traditional voting. And in a Tartu case, two winning ideas will be implemented then by city city government. So in many other cities, there are also models where we're not just, I mean, winning ideas, but from different, dis- uh, it is decided, for instance, that in East District or area of the city, one idea will be implemented. I mean, different ways of, of, of doing it. And in Estonian municipalities, there are also, in some municipalities like Elva municipalities, there is also one criteria is that each each area of the municipality should have possibilities. So, yeah, first three winning ideas will be implemented. Okay, so basically what we can say, step one, crowdsourcing of ideas. Mm-hmm. Step two, expert assessment and consolidation of ideas. Step three, deliberation and discussion. Step four, selection of a shortlist. Step five, public voting or public consultation. And step six, implementation of the winning ideas, whatever the model is. So if you follow those six steps in your city, you can definitely modify them slightly, but this is, this is the, the whole process, what you must follow, and when you are getting successful results. But <clears throat> if you are thinking about this participatory budgeting, so is it just as per se, it's just thing itself, or is it giving kind of input to the broader, broader uh, discussion and broader preparation of the next year's city budget also? Yes, definitely. It's... I mean, this is uh, actually the, the the point where sk- there were so many skeptics uh, in the beginning. I remember in Estonia as well when we started, they said, well, by the end, this is just deciding about 1% of budget and 99% of investment budget and, and, and more of big budget will be still decided only in committees of, of city city council and, you know, behind closed doors. But we have proved, and I think this is one of the key messages cities should also point out and keep highlighting is that it gives cities signals where are problematic places. I mean, it's not all, not about only about the winning ideas, but it gives clear signal to the cities and smart administrators and politicians can understand very well which are the problematic areas. Uh, and, and in this way, it has clear impact to the bigger budget strategy like let's let's take this example of Tartu City. First year, as I mentioned, that the problem for citizens were was river. They wanted more slips for boats and more easy access. More and bars to uh, exactly exactly. To shore, yeah. And it was very clear. I mean, if out of I mean hundreds of citizens are pointing out or proposing mm. ideas like this, and I think that if you if you look at city public space now in Tartu, you can see that actually even I mean. 
there was no winning idea actually related to, to mm. this river area. But if you look at Tartu right now, I mean, river area is probably the most changed area. So clearly it has impact. Another example from Tartu is that since few years ago, the city has started to get ideas. Most proposals were about school um, schoolyards and 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 playgrounds and, yeah, playgrounds and, grounds, and yeah. yeah infrastructure surrounding schools that this was really in poor condition and we still get and 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 some were very innovative ideas how to transform those into you know i mean much more innovative spaces to have classes and now this has i think it's very clear signals that in general budget strategy this funding of schools infrastructure needs needs very much more attention and so and i see the, that in in tartu also many other uh, ideas which have been not winning ideas have been implemented now because this just i mean yeah this is just just good idea and smart city really implements smart ideas this is uh, the the whole main concept of this process but but I think important thing is also again kind of political will of a, of a city leaders to to implement participatory budgeting to keep the promises also that if you promise to give whatever half million dollars or euros for the participatory budgeting projects we need to keep this promise that after all this process is over and projects are selected so so we really really do it and involve this project to the next year budget not not. And then we we will really keep the promises. I think this is one part. And the second part, what is by my observation is important, that it cannot be just for one year. It's much better if you're planning it for 10 years because when citizens are getting used to participate also and provide their ideas and they really start to believe that if I propose the idea and it's a really good idea, so it will be really implemented. If you do it just one year on-off, so so usually people even do not mention it. So so this kind of continuity also in of this process, I think it's making it successful for the for the cities who are using it. Yeah, I think that yeah, you are now tapping on on absolutely one of the most important uh, part of this process, I think, is educative function. It has really. It's I'm taking it always like very good learning by doing exercise how to do participatory democracy for both sides. Because what I experienced also in the beginning of of this process uh, when consulting city and civil society said, well, civil society and especially when it goes for money and you know distribution of money. Everybody is very critical about decisions city makes. First thing, it educates citizens to see how limited are actually those free resources. As you said, most of the money is already, I mean, going to, to, to something which is already, we can't, yeah, it, it, it is already has its price tag. And then, so it, it, it really un- makes citizens understanding. Uh, it also educates them. Uh, one of the crucial things about democracy is that my I can have very good idea, but my idea is not always winning. But how to find consensus, how to understand other perspectives, and you know how to how to debate and all that. So I think that this is yeah absolutely good learning by doing exercise to start small things but to go further and what is very good i'm i'm really absolutely happy uh, 
Sinks had thought to has started to implement the similar crowdsourcing model with the liberation component in many other decision-making processes. Really, in urban planning, they are using basically the similar model now that they are crowdsourcing ideas using also those online tools, but and then already creating kind of understanding what are citizens' expectations and only then, then organizing those face-to-face meetings where everybody is already coming much more informed, you know, like kind of warm-up exercise has already done. So it's, and I see uh, one other thing what is, what, what shows its impact is also how it changes internal decision-making uh, process in, in cities. So yeah. it makes them, makes different departments understanding much better, much better than this broader understanding that you should include also internally many more stakeholders in order to make better decisions to have different uh, perspectives from different departments. Thank you very much, Christina, for this enlightening discussion. E-Governance Academy has consulted City of Tartu, but also many other cities globally about the participatory budgeting implementation. So if you are interested, feel free to contact us and we are happy to guide you through this process. You were listening to E-Governance Academy podcast. Thank you very much for listening. My name is Hannes Astok. I'm a deputy director in E-Governance Academy and welcome back to listening next week. This podcast is brought to you by eGovernance Academy. Tune in on next Wednesday.